The information in today's episode is not to be used as medical advice. If you are currently struggling with or dealing with something out of the ordinary, we highly recommend talking directly to your provider. Welcome to the Flow State Podcast, where we're all about finding balance. We're your hosts, Monica Groney and Nora Candido. Now let's get into the flow. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're talking about a topic that I know I'm super passionate about. Nora, you're also super passionate about. And I think that it is one of the most common questions that I hear from people because it has become a fad in a way, but I'm liking this fad. How do you feel about it? I agree. This was also kind of like my introduction and like how I got into learning more about my hormones. So I read the book In the Flow by Alyssa Vitti over four years ago. And that was when I was in the absolute heart of coming off the pill and the acne stuff happening. And this was the like aha thing for me of like, oh, there are things that I can be doing at different points in my cycle to help support my body and my hormones to become more regular from an outside source, not just relying on like my body, the inside to make up for it and become more regular. Like there are things that I can do to support this. It felt really tangible to me. Yeah. I don't even think we've said what we're talking about. We're being very (laughs) ominous this morning, but we're talking about cycle syncing today. And I agree with that so much. And in a previous episode, the episode with Mandy, when we talked about PMDD, we were talking about like the quote unquote other things. And I feel like cycle syncing embodies so many of those quote unquote other things that are the lifestyle side of healing hormones. And I completely agree that if you are at all interested in this topic, go and read the In the Flow book. It makes it so palatable and really understandable. I feel like Elicivity like has basically coined cycle syncing. Like she was yeah. the original. I think it's even like trademark. I remember, you know, we have our cycle alignment cheat sheet, and we, I don't think we could call it like cycle syncing. So this whole thought of cycle syncing is really adjusting your lifestyle around the phases of the menstrual cycle. So we talked about the phases of the menstrual cycle in an episode last season. If you haven't listened to that and you aren't familiar with each phase of your menstrual cycle, definitely go and listen to that episode. Today, we're going to dig into more of the things you can do in each phase that are going to be the most supportive to provide like optimal hormone health. Did I, did I explain that well? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's perfect. And, you know, I think this is like a nice to have thing, not necessarily a need to have thing. And I know for some individuals, this information might seem a little bit overwhelming or kind of like an accessory. But I really love this for individuals that are especially transitioning off of birth control, or maybe their cycle's irregular, or it's missing, or it's it has been gone for a while. This is a really nice again, outside way to help internalize some of those rhythmic changes. So I think we should dive in and just share like 
you know, we're, we are supposed to fluctuate every day. You might naturally notice if you're not on hormonal birth control that you have these ebbs and flows in your energy, in your mood, in your libido, in your productivity, all of these different changes, and that's natural. That's supposed to happen. We're not meant to be this steady state. It's different for men and women. This is a huge difference. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think we've said this before, is that like men cycle on a 24-hour clock and women cycle on a 28-day-ish clock. And I love that you said, like, this isn't set in stone. If you eat something that isn't perfectly aligned with your cycle phase, like your body's not going to go into dysfunction. These are just some things you can be thinking about. And it's really can be as simple as like, oh, I'm in my menstrual phase. I'm bleeding a lot. I need more iron. And like, just those little things. It's not like, oh, I should only eat broccoli in this phase because it's like, no, like eat healthy food in every phase, but there are things you could eat more of or less of in certain phases that are beneficial. So this isn't like super black and white. And I don't think we need to get really rigid about it. Exactly. But the mindfulness can be really great. Yeah. Hi there. It's your host, Monica. If we haven't met before, highly recommend you go back to season one and listen to the episode where I share my PMDD story. One of the reasons that I'm interrupting the episode right now is that I wanted to share a little bit about Maria. Maria is the menstrual wellness brand that I founded after finding out that I had PMDD and was struggling. I wanted to find a holistic root cause solution to help me feel better. And nutritional supplementation gave me the foundation to heal. That's why I developed the PMS Elixir with our amazing team of medical advisors. The PMS Elixir is a drinkable multivitamin that truly provides the essential vitamins and minerals needed to provide you that foundational level of nutrition and give you a base to heal from. Our medical team has hand-selected the nutrients, their forms, their quantities, so that this multivitamin is not only delicious, but is also providing you a therapeutic-grade dose of the exact nutrients you need. If you are interested in trying the PMS Elixir, head to the website www.mareawellness.com and use the code FLOWPOD, F-L-O-W-P-O-D, for 15% off your first month. Truly, these nutrients were a game changer for me, and they are now supporting thousands of women, allowing them to have healthier and happier periods. All right, back to the episode. I also like, it doesn't have to be a complete overhaul. Like you don't have to embrace or embody all of these things at one time. Like try layering them in. Maybe you start with just the movement side of things. Then maybe you layer in different foods for different phases. So it doesn't have to be like, oh my gosh, I have to rework my whole entire life and my diet and how I think and move and feel. That's not it at all. And I get a lot of questions about like, can I do this if I'm on birth control? And that question is 
an answer is yes, it's not harmful for anybody to eat this way. It's, it's super beneficial just for one, you're starting to pay more attention to your cycle. And I think that mindset shift alone really helps people to start to notice, oh, wow, like I really do feel or my headaches arrive when I'm in my ovulatory phase. Like that's really interesting. I didn't notice that before. It kind of goes hand in hand with that cycle tracking because we're just bringing more awareness to the nuances and changes throughout the month or however long your cycle might be. Also, I love plant diversity and not just plants, protein diversity. So if you go to the grocery store and you're making the same five however meals each week, this is a great way for you to start incorporating different foods throughout the month to help support your gut health and your hormones for all the different micronutrients and things that they provide. That's why I like this and anyone can benefit from it if you're on birth control or an IUD or whatever. Or even I have people who are pregnant, they're like, I really want to still do cycle syncing. Like, is this going to benefit me in any way? It's like, yeah. I mean, you don't have to change just because you're in a different season of life too. Yeah. And I think too, once you become aware and have more awareness in your cycle, you'll start to notice like, oh, this isn't just like a rule book. It like actually makes sense. You know, I have more cravings in my luteal phase and, you know, I can eat more protein and that can help me with that. Or, you know, I need to intake my carbs during that phase and those types of things. You're like, oh, like I'm just hungrier. It That makes sense. Or, you know, when you need to excrete estrogen, like it helps with your digestion and you'll notice that certain foods. And so it really does start to just make sense at the end of the day. Once you kind of do it for a while and understand the foundation of it, I think a lot of it just fits. Yeah, no, absolutely. The second question I often get with this is about seed cycling. I'm sure this is something that you've heard of or maybe have tried before too. There's not a ton of science to back this practice. Again, it's not a harmful thing and it's a way to just diversify and have different nutrients. But the thought is, is that in the first half of your cycle, you're choosing things like pumpkin seeds and ground flax seeds. And then the second half is sunflower seeds and sesame seeds. But that doesn't mean that like you can't eat sunflower seeds in the second half of your cycle or vice versa. And I don't think this is the only way to help regulate or support your cycle. So I'm not as like gung-ho about the seed cycling side of things as I am about just cycle syncing in general. But I think it's, again, it's like a take it or leave it thing. If you like it and you enjoy incorporating it, cool, do your thing. If not, you're not going to throw off your hormones by doing the opposite or not doing it at all. Yeah. Is there a reason in cycle syncing that it's like some seeds in the first half and other seeds in the other half? Like what's happening that they chose those seeds? Yeah. It's more like the nutrient composition of those seeds. So things like pumpkin seeds are higher in zinc. And in your first half of your cycle, you're building up that lining that can be beneficial. And same with ground flax seeds, like your estrogen is rising. So that is a phytoestrogen that can be helpful for just managing the amount of estrogen that your body is keeping. That's the two for the first half of the cycle. That would be during like our menstrual and our follicular phase. And then the second half of the cycle in our luteal phase is more the sunflower seeds and they're higher in selenium. This is supposed to help with detoxification as well as vitamin E. 
And then the sesame seeds are more rich in what are called lignans and zinc as well. And the lignans can be really helpful as more of that like anti-inflammatory. It's a plant fiber specific, but all of these seeds are beneficial. It's a really easy way to just add a little bit more nutrition. Think of them as like salad toppings, or you can grind them up and put them on a slice of toast with peanut butter and just sprinkle some of the seeds on top or in a smoothie. Like again, it's not, it doesn't have to be a major component. It's just like a nice addition in my eyes. Yeah. I've heard there's a lot of benefits to having them ground just from a digestive standpoint. It's easier to digest. And there's a couple brands out there that pre-grind them and package them. So if you are curious, like Funkit Wellness started by Kate Morton, who's an RD, and then Bia Wellness as well. They're somehow affiliated with Mark Hyman, the like god of functional nutrition. <laughs> Quotes around that. <laughs> there are some brands out there that if you're curious and want to try them pre-ground and, you know, perfectly for your cycle, definitely check those out. But I think that's a great segue into us just diving into each of the phases and how you can align with them. So this is really going to be like a how-to, a baseline understanding of cycle thinking. And yeah, I think start with the first phase, which is the menstrual phase. So yeah, I love thinking about this. I've mentioned this before too. If there are individuals that are trying to conceive and their cycle shows up and they get sad or frustrated, which is extremely valid, but I love us thinking about the menstrual phase as a new beginning. And that can permeate across all of the levels that we're going to talk about. So for each phase, we're going to talk about like movement things, food, cooking practices, business slash work practices, and what's kind of going on in the cycle. So again, revisit episode seven to learn more about what is happening in those specific phases. But here we're going to talk about how you can alter some of these lifestyle things to optimize. So review like what's happening during the menstrual phase, Monica. Yeah, so in the menstrual phase, we're bleeding. The lining is shedding. Our uterine lining is shedding. And this is very much, if we're speaking seasonally, our winter. I think we can all kind of feel that. It's a little bit slower, lower. Although oftentimes coming out of our luteal phase, where in the luteal phase, we may be experiencing higher symptoms just before our bleed. Sometimes it can also feel like a little bit of a relief. And I'm speaking to that from like a PMDD standpoint where symptoms can be super elevated just before our period. And then once we start bleeding, it is an actual emotional release where we kind of come back to earth. So that's what's going on. Uterine lining is shedding and kind of energetically, we are in a lower energy state, but it, there can be an energy relief as well. Yeah. I personally like feel the best when I'm on my cycle in terms of my mood and even sometimes energy. And I think it's because our hormones are at their lowest point. So especially for those of us who might be a little bit more sensitive to those fluctuations in our hormones, right at this point, everything is at its lowest, that kind of hibernation mode. But again, for me, like I feel really good when I'm on my bleed. <laughs> I agree 100%. And I think that's interesting. Something that I've been learning a lot about recently is, you know, estrogen and progesterone are super low when we, in our menstrual phase. And so it's actually when we're most similar to a male. Exactly. So it does kind of make sense that for some of us, you know, we are feeling our best 
Not to say that feeling like a man is feeling like our best, but <laughs> I want to make that clear. But it's just that we're not having that those hormones be high and creating like mood or any kind of symptom, a symptom change if you do have a sensitivity to the hormones. So let's maybe, Nora, do you want to talk about foods for the menstrual phase? Yeah. Definitely. So because this is more of that like winter month, think about more wintry, warming, more like cooked foods, soups and stews, things that are going to be, I like to think of them as like a hug from the inside out. Um, So a lot of these warming foods, even like a chili, right, where you're going to get some protein from whatever meat source that you choose, or even if you're doing a more plant-based version, I personally love to do like ground lamb or ground bison in my chili or meatballs. So yum. But beans and even things like buckwheat. And then from like a vegetable perspective, thinking of those winter foods, more like the cruciferous vegetables, even things like kale and foods that are going to be richer in a lot of these micronutrients. So some like seafood can be beneficial as well as seaweed, that nori and kelp, if if those are things that you incorporate. But again, that's going to be really high in things like iodine and, and some selenium sources. And that's really helpful for our menstrual phase as well. And is it true as well that there's a higher focus on carbs in this phase? So I actually like more of those lower, maybe we'll dive into glycemic index at some point on this, but more of those slower burning carbohydrates, things like starchier vegetables. So thinking of a lot of root veggies, potato, even sweet potato, carrots, beets, all of those that are going to be really rich, but they're also pretty high in fiber, but digest a little bit more slowly and are able to provide us this more steady level of energy from that specific type of carbohydrate because of the amount of fiber that they have. Our body digests fiber the slowest. So something in comparison to just like a simple sugar, like thinking of a sweet, for example, your body is going to take more time to digest these root veggies, the starchy vegetables, and that helps provide us more of that long-lasting energy as well. Yeah. So when we talk about like simple carbs, we're talking about like the white, you know, pastas, bread, that kind of thing. And that pretty much immediately shifts to sugar in our body, to glucose. So when we do the complex carbs, you know, I love beans and lentils, sweet potato, like you talked about, there is higher fiber and they digest slower. So we're not getting that like glucose spike, which is super nice. I agree for sure. There's a big emphasis on getting adequate protein and fats, especially in this phase, because your body, although it's at its lowest level of hormones, it's already starting to ramp up and it needs those building blocks to make the hormones as your cycle starts to pick back up again. So really, really emphasizing the focus here is actually more on proteins and fats. And that, again, is those are the essential building blocks in order to make the hormones that our body needs to just kickstart our cycle over again. Yeah, I love syncing up my brain in each phase like to me as someone who's a business owner and busy and always like to-do list planning calendar it's really nice to think about all of those elements in line with my cycle because the productivity actually just goes through the roof and you can still be productive on when you're menstruating so 
let's dive into that real quick for this phase. The things in my menstrual phase that really, like it's a reflection phase for me where I'm evaluating the last month. Maybe I'm diving into analytics or reviewing like last month's performance and going deeper into data and reports. That's what works for me the best in this phase. And maybe, you know, taking more breaks or a little bit more space. But like I said, like I'm usually higher energy. So I tend to kind of go a little bit harder. Some other people in the menstrual phase. What about for you? So I like to do all of that like reassessment and reflection more in the tail end of my luteal phase where like my body is preparing to shed. So I really dig into this like new moon, new cycle, new beginning, starting fresh, starting anew with like new ideas and more planning actually. And I find that I'm more in my like creative flow and forward thinking when I'm in my menstrual phase instead of that more reflective of like past cycle things. But that I think that just speaks to like individual differences and that there's no like rule book or what works for you is really important to honor. Yeah, definitely. So like we said, this isn't black and white. These are just guidelines and it helps you kind of connect with where you might be feeling these things in your cycle. You know, you can tell with Nora and I, like it's very close to the same time, maybe around the same like group of days in our cycle, but there definitely is a pattern, which is super interesting. Okay. The last kind of alignment category, if you will, is movement and how we can align training and fitness and movement with our body with the menstrual phase. And this is something I'm digging into hard right now. So love talking about this topic. And I think that there's a lot of differing opinions. I'm not going to call it misinformation because there's just not enough research on women specifically. But my opinion and what I've been the research I've been digging into shows that because our hormones are the lowest in this phase, it is one of the best phases to actually build muscle. So if you are focused on body recomposition or wanting to build more muscle, get more toned, this is a great phase to really focus on the strength training. And I think what gets said about this phase a lot is like, okay, it's time to rest, yoga, walking, slower movements. And I think if you're in tune with your body and that's what you need. Absolutely. The check for what you should be doing is, am I up to this workout today? Like, how is my energy feeling? And only you can know that, not some like cycle alignment graph. But I do find with strength training, you can do strength training that is slower. You don't even have to really break a sweat. You can do high weight, low rep, long rest so you're not, you know, getting sore. I always train not to get sore because I like to play outside and I don't want to be sore for my outdoor activities. So I don't know. I think of that for yourselves, but that's something I've been digging into. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think there's also differences for individuals too, whether you are really actively healing hormones or if your hormones are in a good place. So for someone that maybe We've talked about like transitioning off of birth control or if your cycle is missing or there are things going on. Okay, maybe we do need to lean into a little bit more of that 
permission for rest and relaxation and naps if that's what works for you and doing those restorative movements like yoga, like stretching, mobility work, walking, right? It doesn't have to be, but also the permission slip to do. Yes, your ability to build more strength in this period is higher because of the hormonal shifts. But I think the key difference, again, is whether your hormones are in a good place or whether you're working to get them back into a good place. And I really like what you said, you know, there's like rate of perceived exertion. So how hard you're training and even like the reps in reserve, right? There are things that we can tailor in this phase for your workouts where you might take extended rest in between sets or changing your weights during this time, but still maximizing that hormonal window for building and preserving your lean mass. Yes. Tune into your energy. And of course, I completely agree. If you're currently in dysfunction in any way with your hormones, take that into consideration. You need to heal those first before you dive into a fitness regimen, maybe. Yeah. And how long you're exercising. All of the things. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before, but I think what I've heard you share before, Monica, that I really like too, is that these things don't need to be viewed as like an excuse and or a permission slip but like I've definitely leaned into a workout even when I wasn't feeling my best before the workout but then I'm so much better in a better mindset in a better head state productivity like everything mood (laughs) after the workout so I live in this gray space and that's even in the work that I do in my nutrition because I really teach body confidence. I teach you to feel so empowered and be able to listen to your body to know, yeah, there's no black and white thinking. We're going to keep saying this. Like, I really love that gray area because it's what works best for you, not the next person, not what works for me, right? I think that's so important. Yeah, I really loved what you just said as well about a lot of times our energy can be low because we need to exercise. And so thinking about all of those things and maybe yes, you're in your menstrual phase and you're just kind of like, ugh, haven't moved your body. You've been slumped over your computer all day and it can be really hard to motivate to do a workout. But, and it kind of, it's like this sometimes, I don't know, maybe this is too much information, but with sex even, you know, your partner wants to have sex you're like, no, I'm too tired. And then you have sex and you're like, I enjoyed that. And you just need to start. And then you're going to feel better because you're going to get that like boost. So I definitely think you can even start a workout and be like, no, actually my body is truly exhausted and then stop. Exactly. I was just going to say the same thing, like set a time for yourself. Be like, I'm going to you know, work out for five minutes and reassess, like take a pause, an intentional pause and do a body scan and check in with your body and say like, what are we up for today? And I would bet you nine times out of 10, you're going to continue. Yeah. You're going to be like, this feels great. And sometimes you'll be like, no, actually like my muscles feel sluggish. Like I am truly exhausted. And maybe you just like lay in child's pose for 10 minutes, like great, but stay in tune with your body. And definitely, I think so often people who get really into cycle syncing, it can become like, well, I'm menstrual, so I don't have to do anything this week. And it's like, no, like you should still have some discipline around, you know, your health. Or you can like it just because this is what's 
quote recommended doesn't mean that's what works best for you. For you. Tuning into that. I think that's well said. Okay. Follicular, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Follicular energy. Yes. Springtime. So this is an amazing phase because we're coming out of winter. I think everyone who lives somewhere where it's snowy in the winter and you hit spring and you start to hear the birds and you're like, the sun feels a little hotter. It just feels good. We get to experience this every month as women. I love that. And yeah, like from a mood and kind of standpoint, like I see this as getting really like going after it, like tapping into that productivity time frame, executing some of those things that you maybe started planning during your menstrual, or maybe this is your planning phase for you. And you feel that creativity boost as your hormones are ramping up and your energy is coming back and everything is, is there. Yeah. Diving into new projects, brainstorming, problem solving, going out to look for new clients or like setting that meeting that's a little intimidating. All of those things can be feel better in this phase. Yeah. And from like a food standpoint, your appetite still might be a little bit lower and that's because the hormones are still increasing gradually. So this time frame, like thinking of springtime, thinking of foods more like lighter cooking methods such as sauteing things or maybe you're steaming them. It's like lightly cooked. Again, more high fiber as your estrogen is ramping up. We want to give your body the support to help flush that out with things, again, like those phytoestrogens that I was talking about before, but things like the ground flax seed, the soy, if you do soy or a lot of fiber rich foods as well. Yeah, will you just explain real quick again about phytoestrogens, what those are? Yeah, Yeah. phytoestrogens, so it has the word estrogen in the word. So in your body, they can actually mimic like a lower dose of estrogen. But this is actually helpful to manage your body's own internal levels of estrogen. And mostly, they also come with a lot of fiber to help regulate. So circle all the way back to even the episode of birth control that we talked about, like liver support and its importance and what's going on in the liver to really understand this connection even more so. But those phytoestrogens can be beneficial in most life stages. We actually talked briefly about this in our first episode this season with Jenna in debate on soy and if it's beneficial or not. So listen in on that one too. Other thing that's really, really important, and we're going to dive more into like our GI and hormone connection at a later date, but this time of your cycle is really important to incorporate a lot of those probiotic rich foods. Fermented food. Yes, exactly. Fermented foods. So things like kimchi or sauerkraut, kefir, yogurt, tempeh, true fermented pickles, pickled carrots, pickled onions, all of those like vinegar, (laughs) acidic, probiotic rich foods. So this really supports the estrogen fluctuations. And we're going to dive into that estrobolome complex in that GI episode. So stay tuned. Yeah. Making pickled onions is one of my favorite things with red onions because it's, it's like pretty in your fridge. They're a 
kind of fun just to put on top of everything. And it, like microgreens, makes your food feel fancier, but it's really easy. You can just literally throw it, like chop up an onion and throw it in a jar with, I like to use apple cider vinegar, half apple cider vinegar, half water, and like, it's delicious. I love it. Yeah. Do you put a little bit of sugar in there and like pickling seasoning or how else do you pickle them? I don't like adding sugar to anything. Just me. I put just black peppercorns in there. Nice. Yeah. I find often too for people that might have a harder time digesting raw onions when you pickle them, that acid helps to start breaking down some of those fibers that can be gas producing or a little bit more uncomfortable for people. So Again, the apple cider vinegar, especially when it says with the mother, is where you're getting some of that probiotic source. That bacterial strain is actually in the vinegar. And then as you're fermenting things, things over time, they grow bacteria, honestly. So fun to think about. I also love sourdough for that reason. Same thing. It helps people that might have a sensitivity to gluten, not necessarily something like celiac disease where you can't have gluten, but this is where the bacteria actually helps to digest, break down the protein a little bit and makes it easier to digest for people. So give these things a try if it's something that you're open to, but this is a great and easy way. And my recommendation is having one tablespoon or one serving of whatever it is. So if it's kefir or yogurt, that's going to be a larger volume, but having one tablespoon of these probiotic rich foods every day to help grow that natural beneficial microbiome. And that's going to help, especially during the follicular phase. Love that. Quick question. We were talking about, you mentioned the birth control episode and how we talked about liver supporting foods. Those food talked about them being sulfur like sulfur foods are phytoestrogen foods and sulfur forward foods similar or no am i on the wrong no not the same so that like the sulfur compound is what is found in those sulfur rich foods and that is really part of our liver's detoxification process is called sulfonation so it's literally taking that sulfur molecule and using it to help detoxify things where the phytoestrogens again is like a weaker form of low estrogen and it helps to regulate how much your body is actually keeping in circulation versus excreting and again the fiber benefits so two different purposes for those two yeah got it and phytoestrogens i feel like people could hear that and be like whoa like i shouldn't eat those foods if i am estrogen dominant or I should only eat those foods at a certain time. Is that true? No. So I think that's where there's like a lot of misconception. And we did talk about it briefly in that first episode, but it is kind of like a lock and key situation where we have all these different receptors in our body in various locations for estrogen specifically. So if you have too much estrogen in your body and you are incorporating those phytoestrogens. So what sounds like more estrogen on top of already having too much estrogen, why it's still gonna be beneficial is that it's kind of signifying to your body that those receptors are kind of full. There's no more open docking stations (laughs) and it helps to flush those excess estrogens out. So that is how it can be beneficial in managing those estrogen levels. And again, it's more with that, a lot of these are fiber rich compounds that act kind of like a sponge. They're gonna help us to soak up the extra things circulating around. This includes things like cholesterols, even heavy metals or toxins and whatnot. And then we're excreting them out of our body. So that's where this can still be beneficial for someone that is estrogen dominant. And we've already talked about this is not like a medical 
qualified term estrogen dominance. It's more like symptom-based things, but yes, having too much estrogen in the body. Got it. Okay. Thanks for clarifying on that. Yeah. There are some people though that I will don't recommend soy for. So especially like if you know you have a history of breast cancer in your family, or if you've been tested and you have what's called the BRCA gene, these are situations, or I also do testing because there are these genetic and really important differences for people. So there are certain individuals that I will say, hey, this might not be the best fit for you personally. Yeah. And if you do have breast cancer in your family, definitely do the testing and talk to your doctor about it. My mom had breast cancer, so I am high risk and had the bracket testing and gone through a lot of conversations with my doctor. And it's so important. I can't stress that enough. One of the other foods I want to ask you that I've heard is good for this phase, I can't remember why, but is spicy food. Do you know anything about that? Not off the top of my head necessarily. I don't know if it's like, yeah, I'm not even going to venture down. Yeah, okay. Maybe we'll look into that, but I don't know why that was a thing for this phase. I'm kind of just Googling it right now even to see, but (laughs) it says around... Ovulation, it can be beneficial. Cloves, cumin, cardamom. We'll dig into this deeper. I don't think about cloves, cumin, or cardamom as spicy, though. Yeah, me neither. Interesting. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Sorry to ask a question that we don't have the answer to. We're humans too, people. Okay, let's talk about movement. Yeah. So this is like our endurance is definitely a lot higher in the first half of our cycle. So that includes even the follicular phase here. So this is a great opportunity to tap into that, like more running, biking, long distance stuff. And again, resistance training in this time period. And that's when we can start to maybe ramp some things up in terms of duration of movement and that rate of perceived exertion as well. Yeah. I think from a training perspective too, I'm coming at it from a runner, someone who like does distance running, But knowing that in your follicular phase, your appetite is lower, but you're also like more in the zone for running, cardio, high exertion. I know I have to really focus on my training nutrition during this phase because I don't really want like want to eat or want to have carbs and fat before I go on a run just because I'm not as hungry. My appetite is way lower. So I think it can be beneficial to be mindful of that. And your body still needs energy, especially if you're doing longer exertions. You want to avoid the bonking for sure. So just thought I'd share that too, because I know for myself, it's very hard to think about training nutrition during this phase because I'm like, I don't really want to. Yeah. I'm not a sports dietitian. I'm also not a personal trainer. So I always like to practice within my scope too. And I'm not a long distance runner. So, but this for me is a point where I would think about more of the intra workout. So especially if you're going on these long distance run, like carrying a little bit more of those simple sugars and things that are really easy to digest to provide you that quick energy boost when you're on a longer run or a bike ride or swim or whatever you're doing, where I think this is a really, really, really important time, making sure we're covering our bases there. But yeah, super great time to go running, do the spin class, hit like a cardio dance class or any of those things. Also, like still do your strength training. If you're strength training, of course, consistency and week over week is so important. 
but it's definitely, you'll feel the energy to want to do, you may feel the energy to want to do a little bit more exertion at this time of the month. Okay. We're going into the sexy phase. Sexy phase. Summer. (laughs) Yeah. I love thinking about the summer and ovulation window. Like we might be feeling more confident. We're more outgoing. Things just feel a little bit easier and our highest energy phase. All of our hormones are up. Maybe we're feeling a little sexier. Maybe our libido is higher and tapping into that because this is our fertile window. So that's why, again, physiologically, like we're primed to even come across to other people as more attractive. Like there are studies showing that people's faces actually appear more symmetrical when they are in their ovulatory phase. Like that is wild because symmetrical is like associated with better genes. And like it's so ridiculous if we start thinking about that. But isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I think it's true too, just because like you said, you know, you're feeling more confident in this phase and the body language of a confident person or someone who's kind of feeling self-conscious is so different that it makes sense that we would give off sexy vibes, more attractive vibe when we're feeling more confident. I feel that for sure internally, even where like I'm in my luteal phase right now. And last night I was like, oh man, like, I'm aging and I just like started to go down this spiral and it's like, okay, let's just calm down and like stop looking in the mirror for a minute. But like, it's true. The confidence thing ebbs and flows with your cycle and during ovulation, you're like at your peak. Yeah. This is a great time in business. If you can even doing more speaking events, planning presentations, you're actually able to articulate better. So you're better with your words. You're a more effective communicator. So this is definitely a good time to have some of those difficult conversations, things like asking for a raise or for a promotion, those things where you're really able to stand in your power, prove you deserve this and feel confident about it. Yeah. Have the hard conversations. Like if you're thinking about asking for a raise, try to schedule that meeting around ovulation because you're going to walk into that meeting way more confident. Same thing with like a job interview, all of those kind of things that feel hard. This is a great time to do that. Negotiating, like Nora said, speaking events, networking events, reaching out about partnerships, like the things that require the confidence and boldness, schedule it right here in your cycle. I'll be filming a TV segment during my ovulatory window this month. Oh, Nora's (laughs) going on TV. You guys, we have a celebrity in the house. So yeah, things like, (laughs) not just like that. And I also want to take the moment to say like, this is not achievable for everyone. And just because you might be having a review or maybe your round tables or whatever it is at your work for that next level or next position or whatever in your menstrual phase, like it doesn't mean that it can't go well, like. I just want to put that out there. It's not like, oh my God, I'm not going to be ovulating. It's not going to go well. That's not true. But if you can, it would be awesome to be able to build things around our cycle. Just bringing that home again. (laughs) Yeah. If you have the flexibility to schedule it, take it into consideration. If not, like it's not doomsday. You'll still be fine. It's the same too with like, if you are someone who does running races or bike races or any kind of 
like event, just because you're in a specific phase doesn't mean you're not going to perform well. If you've been training and you're like being mindful, all of that, like it's going to be absolutely fine. You're not going to underperform because you're in a specific phase. Yeah. How about food wise? So this is where, again, summertime, we're thinking of fresh more raw things, a lot of those cooling foods like smoothies and salads, lighter fare. Uh, Your appetite, again, is going to start increasing at this point and continue to increase into your luteal phase, especially your luteal phase is the highest appetite that you typically have. And we have higher energy needs at that time. So there's a reason. But your ovulatory is like the beginning of that. So you might notice your appetite is coming up and incorporating more of those like fresh really nutrient-dense, lighter, fair foods. Yeah. And then training. Or do we think we fully covered food? Are we good there? Yeah, I think, you know, other specifics, if you will, in terms of like the the foods that you might be enjoying at this time, thinking of summer, right? So like what are summer fruits? A lot more of the berries like strawberries or even coconut depending on where you are even things like this is the time where it's recommended to have some chocolate for magnesium and coffee and for anti-inflammatory benefits and turmeric for the same reason this is that time as well i've also read too that it is good to be mindful about alcohol consumption of course in all of your phases but in the ovulatory phase because we are like higher energy more confident we can feel like let's go like very. And so I've definitely read like, just be weary. If you're in your ovulatory phase, and you're like going out with friends, you might be more apt to over drink just because you're kind of in that like, I'm a little bit masculine. So I'm just like, hoo, 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 chug. like, that's what comes to mind for me. But <laughs> so yeah, I think even thinking about alcohol consumption with your cycle, super important. Yeah, I think we should do a whole episode on alcohol alcohol. episode (laughs) definitely especially with this dry january and i'm my word is conscious consumption that's how i like to think about it 100 percent. and now there's this new thing i think i saw the skim just post about it it's called damp january where like what it means is like consciously being conscious about alcohol so i kind of like that (laughs) i do too yeah we'll dive into that later but take us home with the movements for the ovulatory phase yeah so training in your ovulatory phase your peak energy right now overall so great time for that interval training those hit classes boot camps again like still great time for cardio and of course yeah like weight training i've heard from several women as I've been talking about training and thinking about strength training and being able to build muscle better in the menstrual phase, that they feel their best in strength training during ovulation, which makes sense. And it also depends on what your strength training looks like, right? If to you, strength training is a CrossFit class, then of course, CrossFit is way more hit, I would say, than strength specifically. Yes, you are focusing on building muscle, but there's so much hit incorporated in that where you're doing like EMOMs and AMRAPs and the type of exercises where it's very time focused. So this is the phase to really hit it hard. EMOMs, every minute on the minute, is that what it stands for? Or each minute? Yeah, every minute on the minute is an EMOM. (laughs) I hate them. They're not 
I think they just promote bad form in exercising. Anything timed where you're racing a clock, your form's going to go to shit. So that's my opinion. (laughs) Oh, I like that. I like that view. I used to be. I was a very aggressive gym goer in my 20s until I got injured. So we should talk about that too. (laughs) Yeah. Story for another day. Okay, we're in our last phase. And the last phase is, for me, the lowest phase. Mm. Yeah, let's definitely speak to that. So this is our luteal phase. This is typically the the longest phase. So for some individuals, this can be anywhere between 10, 12, 14, maybe even longer days. So, you know, this is the majority for some of their cycle. So just being cognizant of that. So as we already talked about, appetite is at its highest, our highest energy energy needs are during this time. And that's because if we were pregnant, getting back to the root of why we even have a cycle in the first place, is that your body would be nurturing an embryo, a a potential human being. It's using all of this energy to create and build up that lining and nurture the embryo. So that is why our energy is increasing during this phase. Yeah, it's a great time to do some of the admin tasks in your business or job, wrap up projects. You're kind of like coming to a conclusion, right? So it's wrapping things up. Like Nora said, you know, for her great time for reflection, organizing. I all the time in my luteal phase will, I think I've said this before in the podcast, but realize that I'm like in the pantry reorganizing all of our canned food. And I'm like, why am I doing this right now? And then I'll be like, oh, I'm luteal. Like it makes sense. So if you find yourself like cleaning out your closet in this phase or doing some of those inward organizational tasks, it's truly like our body functions that way in this phase. Yeah. If you've heard of like nesting when you are pregnant and when people are like getting the nursery ready, packing their bags, like that's the same energy and it's because of that high progesterone. So, you know, leaning into that. If that feels really good for you at this phase too. So again, we talked about like the slower burning carbs that are also really important during menstruation. That is really important during this phase too for a lot of different reasons. You know, our serotonin, our feel-good neurotransmitter dips completely during this phase. That's why we're seeking things like sugar or even for me, it's like impulse shopping because it gives me that quick hit of dopamine and, and serotonin that feel good when I might be feeling a little bit lower mood-wise during this phase. But in order to prevent a lot of those cravings, you know, this is something that we'll definitely dive into more, but making sure that you're getting enough nutrition, enough protein, absolutely prioritizing that, but choosing more of these slower burning complex carbohydrates, again, those root veggies, the starchy vegetables, are what is going to help prevent things like quick sugar cravings. And that comes even from like blood sugar imbalances and whatnot, because we are using more energy during this phase. We need more nutrients. It's like an eight to 25% increase in our energy needs. That's huge. That's a really big shift. Yeah. And a lot of times this is when, if people experience cravings, they experience it in this phase. And so what I've heard, you know, some people crave sugar, some people crave salt, and both of those things to me make total sense. So when we're craving the sugars, like think about eating something that's going to satisfy that. That's also a complex carb, like a sweet potato, carrots, and also increasing protein can definitely help 
curb the cravings because you're, you're going to be way more satiated. And then in terms of natural sugars as well, it can be really beneficial to have dark chocolate because it's going to have that magnesium that's going to support cramping or adding peanut butter to toast or something like that. Peanut butter to your yogurt bowl, like great protein in peanut butter. And it has some of those natural sugars that is going to maybe satisfy that craving. Obviously look out for the added sugars in peanut butter, but yogurt and berries, like those kind of things where if you are, do have a sweet tooth, how can you adjust that to satisfy that, but also do it from a holistic nutritional perspective. And I think too, for the people who are craving on the salty side, hydration during this phase is super key. And so if you're craving salt, like maybe you're just dehydrated. And so instead of reaching for the chips or your, you know, salty pretzels, it's like, oh, have I had enough water today? Because hydration in this phase is really crucial as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not even something that I covered at all in this episode, but I would, you know, hydration is so important for our hormonal health throughout the whole cycle, but I really like that as well. But yeah, thinking of more like fall foods here. So again, like more cooked vegetables. So thinking of roasting and baking things, all of the roasted veggies you can dream of like Brussels and cauliflower and kale and love. There are serotonin boosting foods and cortisol reducing foods as well, right? That's a good, I don't know how I would phrase like those specifics. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like a whole other tangent, but I would definitely love to speak more on the serotonin side of things when we talk about the GI and hormones. And then cortisol is like a whole other ball game when we talk about our adrenals and that side of things. But typically with adrenal issues is when I see more of those salt and sugar cravings, actually. So when you're talking about that, especially craving saltier foods, I ask people to really check in on their stress levels and how much they're exerting at this time. Sure, it can be partially hydration, but if you're burning through cortisol, your body is using a lot of electrolytes for this. So it's really important to actually consume sodium. I love incorporating an electrolyte beverage every day, even if I'm not doing a crazy workout or anything like our body just genuinely needs electrolytes and if you're not i drink one of these every day for anyone who can't see i'm holding up an element and it just makes drinking water more fun yeah i use those as well but especially that is what our body needs and if you're eating mostly plant-based or whole unprocessed foods there's not a lot of natural sodium so there's a lot of misinformation on salt, and that is something that I feel really, really passionately about. I want people to be saltier than they are. <laughs> awesome. Okay, movement. <laughs> there's so much more to that. We'll dig into it at another time. Stay salty. I think that's Elements' like tagline. It's so funny. Movement for the luteal phase. So hormones are starting to trend downward towards menstruation. And this phase two is long like we're coming out of our peak and we kind of come down like energy comes down so I think for you yourself anyone listening just be mindful of what happens for you in this phase some people get hit way harder than others if you have PMDD you get hit hard in this phase and so be mindful of that I know for me I'm currently in this phase and like I haven't felt like working out and so I have been going to yoga classes, walking more, and not 
doing as much of some of the other stuff. So I think just be mindful of that. Earlier in the phase, you might still be wanting to do a HIIT workout, wanting to do runs, that kind of thing. You might trend towards lower and slower. And then as you lead towards menstruation, your hormones are going low again. So you're kind of going back towards that phase that's great for building strength and weightlifting, but it is individual. Yeah, I think that's a great way for us to wrap this up. I know this was a lot of information. And again, just like choosing to start with one thing. And if you are on birth control or if you're on an IUD and you don't get a bleed, I actually encourage people to use the moon cycles to line up with their cycle syncing. So traditionally speaking, and this is a bit woo, but I think it's helpful for some people to have just a guideline here. The new moon, so when there's less light in the sky, can be tied to your menstrual phase, that bleed time. And then the full moon can be tied to your ovulatory phase. So the moon cycle averages 29 and a half days, which is like exactly the length of a lot of people's menstrual cycles. So using this is a really easy way to have predictable cycles. And that is a way that you can kind of line up. Or for some individuals, even on an IUD or on birth control, can feel some hormone fluctuations throughout the month. So then if you feel kind of maybe a little bit moody or PMS-y, saying, okay, maybe I'm leading up to my quote cycle and starting there. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. Hopefully everyone listening has gotten something out of this episode. If you have, come and share with us on social or tag us in any cycle syncing adventures that you might be having. We'd love to see how you're incorporating some of these things or just being more mindful about your cycle. But I think... The awareness of these things for me has been game changing. And it's something I don't even really notice anymore. It just becomes second nature. I was going to say that too. For me, it's now it's, it's so intuitive. It's just like, I'm, you know, oh, wow, I'm ovulating. Like I'm craving a smoothie right now where when I'm bleeding, I want chili or I want a soup or something. Like it's really cool when you start to pay more attention to it. For sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in today, guys. We will see you next week. Bye.